0: Welcome to episode number 263 of Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are brought to you by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd.
2: And I'm the other guy, Dan Todd. Our theme today is service and leadership, and our guest is Alec Scarlatis. Alex is a, a specialist with the Oregon Army National Guard and was one of the three friends who stopped a terrorist attack on the five the 1517 train to Paris. Now Alex is running for election office in Oregon, seeking election to US Congress to represent Oregon's fourth district.
0: Absolutely. Welcome to back to the show, Alec.
1: Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. So we're starting to figure you out a little bit, Alex. I mean, here you are. First, you stop terrorists on a train and you run to danger. And now you're running to danger and running for Congress.
1: <laughs> well, different kind, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's just something I felt that I needed to do, especially with how tough of a time we've had it down here in southwestern Oregon. And uh, someone had to do something about it.
2: Right it is some bad times right now.
0: All over the nation. Um, and of course, when when we get to hear about Oregon right now, it's not about what a, a beautiful state it is. It's all kinds of craziness and, and unrest. And we have seen uh, months and months of riots all across the country, but specifically there's ongoing riots, uh, riots in Portland. Can you kind of bring us up to speed on that situation? and And what has gone well, you know, as far as, you know, the leaders that are in place now, what have they done well and what, what maybe could uh, be done better in the future?
1: Well, not much has gone well, frankly, Uh, between Ted Wheeler and Kate Brown, neither of them have any motivation or reason to stop the rioting. I mean, it's a, it is a portion of their voter base, so they don't want to make them angry. And um, President Trump, of course, tried to send in federal or tech units to try to stop it as well Um, but that only lasted for I think a week or two and now they're trying to federally deputize the uh, Oregon State Police and I I think even Portland Police Bureau but I'm not sure and uh, it just seems like that if you don't actually hold people in jail and just release them onto the street the next day or later the same day then obviously the riots are going to continue because you're not holding any of the people that are starting them
2: Absolutely. So they're doing this just so they'll win another election? I mean, they think that just let them do what they want to do so they'll keep their votes?
1: Well, yes. In short, I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to not anger their base who is either okay with the riots or the actual people out there rioting, especially with Kate Brown, since she's so unpopular. I mean, she's not even up for re-election, but it's just, that's the kind of people that support them. And those are the kind of people that put them in power. So they feel kind of beholden to them. And unfortunately, the rest of Oregon that isn't beholden to them or doesn't think that the riots are a good thing has to sit back and either watch or watch as their businesses are burned.
2: Yeah, it just seems to me like the working class is what keeps everything going in any state. And the working class is being disrupted by the non-working class or the ones that are doing the riots, it seems like they would put their attention towards the productive people and stop this.
1: You would hope, but um, unfortunately it hasn't been the case, at least in Oregon. I mean, and that's, that's one of the things that I think is really going to be a factor this election, the silent majority and the the people that I think feel ignored. I mean, because even there's a lot of there's a lot of Democrats that don't agree with the violent riots, and they don't agree with the defund- the police movement. And we're, at least in my race, we're hoping to pick up some of those votes, and I think President Trump is as well.
0: Well, absolutely. We are small business owners ourselves. And so when we see this kind of unrest and arson happening to other people's small businesses and their livelihoods, it. I think maybe it hits us a little bit harder than just the average news viewer. And then you hear people out there saying, well, you know what? It's okay. Whatever happens to those businesses because they have insurance. Well, first of all, sometimes insurance doesn't cover depending on the nature of how the arson happened uh, and if it is like a riot situation and uh, the other things are that, you know, once you've lost uh, Momentum as a business. Once you have lost a lifetime of work, uh, seeing it go up in flames, it it's not like you just you know jump back in there and you know go in with a broom, dust off a little bit of the the ash, and and go back at it. It is very very disruptive. And as Dan was indicating, it's not just the the family that owns the business, but it's all the people that they employed. It's all the, you know, the good, the services that they were offering to the community at large. And it's an amazing thing how much I've seen this be downplayed as really not such a big deal because, you know, there's insurance or, you know, you're just evil capitalists anyway. Um, So I appreciate that that we have somebody who is running for office who does understand those kinds of elements.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, I think people that, I think insurance is just going to pick up the tab for everything doesn't understand insurance and they probably never owned a small business or had to buy insurance for a small business um but that being said um that the riots have been a very large issue here in oregon uh, for us running for office but fortunately portland itself is not in my district um so we do stand a shot of winning which is i guess the point i'm trying to make so um the only riots that we've had in my congressional district have been in the college town of Eugene. And I mean, it's just even there where the riots have only been sporadic for maybe a month or so. um, It's, it's tough to watch. I mean, you've got small businesses that were already struggling due to the coronavirus, then get all their windows smashed out. And then it takes a day or two to replace the windows. And even if insurance covers that, that's still a lost business and lost revenue for them and it's uh it's tough to watch under the current climate where they're okay with it and yet they'll arrest people for not wearing masks.
0: Oh, tell me. I mean, <laughs> you could just take off right there and and give it another 15 or 20 minutes because um you know, when you've had this area that's been disrupted and wind if all it is is windows being smashed, does the average, you know, citizen mom with a couple of kids, does she feel like, yeah, I'm just going to go trot down there, you know, down that street with my toddlers and go shopping in that district? No, it, it puts a fear in people that they don't want to now, you know, spend time in that area and, and shop at those places. And then as you said, the, the mask thing has become, you know, your public enemy number one, if you dare to you know, walk out of your house without a mask on. And I just think that just, you know, pointing out the imbalance in, in that kind of focus that people have right now, it's a little bit mind boggling to me at least.
1: Oh, absolutely. I agree with that a (laughs) hundred percent.
0: So also in your uh, beautiful state of Oregon, you guys have seen your share of forest fires and you know, I, I know that there is such a thing as fire season, which is just a horrible thing to think about. You know, there's fires, there's a season when fires happen, um,
2: like Christmas and no is a season.
0: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I guess, yeah, right.
2: But, but it's not a good one.
0: No, mm-hmm. for sure. And, you know, some of the, the, the fires, the news, and I always have to put that in air quote, the news, cause you never know if they're telling us the truth or not, um, But they've portrayed these fires as being intentionally set as arson and however a fire begins there is a tremendous amount of manpower and equipment needed and all of this stuff digs into the taxpayers uh, pocketbook what do you see for the future are there some proactive measures that could be taken uh, to reduce the severity of fires in the future or is this just something that every season you you have to go through.
1: Well, we do have a fire season, but every year they've gotten worse and worse. And regardless of arson, the reason the forest fires have gotten so out of control, especially this year, is simply just because of our lack of forest management. I mean, you can blame climate change or arson or whatever you want for causing the fires, but the reason they get so large is the tremendous fuel load that we have in the fires. We don't salvage log burned timber after a fire. So it just sits there and rots and is literally just firewood for the next fire. Um, And not to mention with uh, the ONC laws that affect Southwestern Oregon, especially, we're not actually allowed to go down and even log trees like we used to. We can't harvest timber anymore. Um, So that affects the amount of roads and the amount of underbrush clearing that we're even capable of doing. Um, Not to mention, there's also not nearly as much funding for that kind of uh, action anymore. So as a result, we have these, you know, huge sections of unmanaged forest that when they burn, they burn incredibly hot. And if they burn over an area that had burned a few years previously, it's 10 times worse. Mm. And it makes no sense to me because our forest policy Whether or not you think we should be logging, we should at least be managing the forest to prevent forest fires, because even environmentalists, I can't see saying that forest fires are a good thing. I mean, they're not, they're terrible for the environment. And even then, after a forest fire burns, there's more carbon dumped into the atmosphere by the forest decomposing than the actual forest fire itself. So it makes no sense, our forest policy, and it's one of the things that it's one of the reasons that I'm running and it's one of the things that I think we should be able to find compromise on if I'm elected.
2: Right, and, and the politicians that voted for that defunding and uh, taking away the forest, conservative, you know, whatever they do, uh, they say that it's global warming that's causing all this. But yet it's funny is that as soon as you cross, it's not funny, no. but as soon as you cross the United States border, the fires stop and there's forests all up in that area of Canada. And they manage their forest. They thin out the the small trees, and they keep it up. And there's the difference. And we stopped doing that several years ago. California, Oregon, Washington has stopped it. And why can't they wake up and realize maybe we should be doing something a little different here? Of well, boring-
1: absolutely. And I th- I think a lot of people are finally waking up. I mean. Like you said, I've been to Germany as well and their forests are immaculate. I mean, they have almost no underbrush and uh, obviously they don't have any forest fires like we do. And we need to start looking at places like that and seeing what they're doing. But people are starting to wake up, at least people in the middle. I mean, the guy that I'm running against voted for salvage logging, not even two weeks before the fire started, which is what I was talking about where they don't cut down trees after a fire to prevent forest fires. He voted against that and he's been in office for 33 years, and the forest, uh, the, the timber industry really went away in southwestern Oregon in about late 80s, really 1991, and he's been in office since 1987, so he's really overseen the downfall of the timber industry, and therefore our economy and county governments down here in southwestern Oregon has done nothing for us. So again, it's an issue I'm very passionate about, and it's something that we really need to Work on changing not only in Western Oregon, but pretty much the entire West Coast.
2: Right, and if people would realize that's a resource, there's money there, and it's jobs and opportunities. And doing it right, it's it makes the forest stronger. We were in Germany, and we we're walking through just out in the middle of the forest one day, and every tree had a number, had a tag on it, and people were responsible for those trees. And you're right, they don't have forest fires like we have here because they, when a tree gets sick, they'll Chop it down and make room for other trees. Whatever has to be done, so it's it's. uh, I wish we could go to that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And when you were talking about, you know, the the gentleman that's been there for thirty three years, you know, if we can't implement term limits, we there's another way we can implement term limits, and that is by electing new faces and new voices that maybe will give us a chance and give our children and our children's children a chance at a better future. So um, I do appreciate, I I can't imagine myself stepping into the rough and tumble arena of politics. So whenever I see a citizen, you know, with this heart of service that you've demonstrated in, in your life, stepping into that, I am, I value that so much. I really respect that.
1: Well, just trying to make some positive changes. I mean, we are due to everything with the timber industry going away we're the poorest congressional district in oregon and this guy said 33 years to do something about it and if he's not going to someone else needs to and hopefully hopefully i can do that
2: well what if the voters in oregon have to lose they know that what they're doing they're losing at why don't they try something new and see what happens right because they're not winning right now 37 years Kind of, there's a guy that's running for president 47 years of kind of,
0: <laughs> but he's going to fix it this time That Biden this guy, time, right, right.
2: or not. So you're right. And we, it probably would help to have new blood in there. People that probably understand what's going on more than these people that mm-hmm. they have no direction.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the next topic I want to talk to you about is uh, you know, actually part of the name of our show gun freedom radio. I want to talk to you about, you know, the whole uh, second amendment issue which is our rights, it's about our rights, but everybody wants to really make it only about the tool, the gun itself. And uh, I think that's a distinction that is is worth thinking about and and talking about. And so personally, when I look at different candidates and, and their campaigns across the entire nation, it's fairly alarming to me how many people are blatantly promising that the constitutional oath that they take to protect and preserve and defend the constitution, which by the way, there's only one, and it's a, not a political document. And whether you ascribe to the left or to the right, everybody that's elected takes an oath to protect the exact same words, the exact same document. It's alarming to me how many people are in their campaigns promising that they're not going to take their oath seriously and then there's other people that are sneaky about it and they're like not really talking about their gun stance we got a guy here in arizona like that mark kelly and he's really downplayed how he is uh how really going to treat our second amendment if he's elected and it, it really uh it, it boggles my mind and it is alarming to me so how do you see things playing out with the election knowing these things, knowing how our Second Amendment has been kicked around like a political football, and then you add in, in this year, in 2020, 5 million at least, brand new first-time gun owners who some of them are going to vote, some of them are not. How do you see all of that converging and impacting this particular election?
1: Well, um... Like you mentioned, there's a lot of uh, brand new gun owners, but also in a district like mine, my district is actually larger than the state of Connecticut. Um, So it's very rural. There's a lot of rural Democrats even. So a lot of them are gun owners. And particularly this year, and especially in my congressional district, you don't see Democrats talking about guns a whole lot. And there's a reason for that. And that's those 5 million new gun owners that you're talking about. And the fact that Democrats, are not only okay with the riots, but they also wanted to fund the police while at the same time taking away your guns. Mm. It doesn't take a political science major to realize that that might be a recipe for disaster for Democrat politicians. Because even the average person can see that if you wanted to fund the police and take away my guns, but you're okay with these riots, then who's gonna protect me? And that's why partly we have 5 million new gun owners in the United States. People are getting scared and the democrat party is frankly going to scare them over to the republican party um because the road they're going down i don't think anybody really agrees with and i mean due to what i survived in the middle of a gun-free continent i mean i know that gun control does not work it's not gonna really stop any crime and uh people are really just getting scared for their lives the closer we get towards this election it's getting more and more divided and uh scarier by the day really
2: wait alec you're telling me that when you were on that train and you stopped that guy with the ak that it wasn't registered
1: it was not it was all also a full auto uh short barreled rifle so did, how did he he, have he, it? he needed i don't know but um I, I i can't imagine he would have broken the law i'm sure he probably got it through a gun show loophole out there in belgium
0: <laughs> yeah. that's good that's good um Well, you know I just want to start wrapping up a little bit, but uh, when you were, you know, thinking about coming into this arena of politics, and I think that everybody that comes into the arena really has to make a, a decision in their mind. Am I coming into it as a politician, which for me means it's about me and my opportunities and getting my name out there? Or am I going to come into this as a public servant? And I'm truly going to seek to represent the people who have elected me with their votes. Um, what was a tipping point for you? Was there a specific issue or a specific moment that just gelled for you and solidified for you that, you know, it, it's not going to be an easy path, but I have to try?
1: It probably wasn't a single moment, but I met my uh, state senator on a plane to DC and he kind of talked to me about politics and kind of encouraged me to look at politics as a way of continuing to fight for what we believe in. And I you know, kind of blew him off at first because he wants to get involved in politics. And um, to his credit, he followed up and kept educating me on the issues. And the more I learned the anger I got in particular with forest management, Obviously, the Second Amendment is a very big deal to me personally, but the forest management and the economic issues um, that it causes down here in Oregon's fourth congressional district are really why I'm running. I really just want to turn around the economy of Oregon's fourth congressional district. Mm
2: -hmm. And all the working people, I mean, most of the working people there that vote know that the, the lumber industry not being allowed in Oregon is causing great damage, right? I mean,
1: money-wise. I wouldn't necessarily say most. Um, I mean, there are people that, of course, believe that. But I think most people, even the politically uneducated, think that we need to at least manage our forests to prevent forest fires. And that's kind of been the headline over the summer with all the fires. When it comes down to an economic issue, some people really aren't as educated or don't really know what the effects would be But due to the ONC laws that govern timber in western Oregon, um, they're very unique and they actually tie the amount of money that comes into county government directly to how many trees are harvested in the forest. Mm -hmm. So the problem with that, of course, is that when you do away with the timber industry, you also do away with the budget of county government because the federal government owns so much land out here. And um, that's really a huge part of the problem. I mean, we could adjust, we could you know, try to get into some other industry. We could cut the trees down and plant grapes or put cattle there and the economy would recover, but there's no loophole or way around it for county government because it's set in the law. If you don't change the law, you can't, county government can't function and can't get the funds that they need.
2: Well, I look at uh, the the uh, conservation Conservation. for forests is the same as for hunters. I mean, if you don't hunt the the animals then they become overpopulated and they starve. And I know there's some people that don't believe that, but it's true that you have to thin the herd, right? And so it's the same with the forest. You have to thin it.
0: So how much, uh, do you guys have a lot of hunting in your in your area there?
1: Oh, absolutely. We've got Roosevelt elk, uh, black bear, I think muley deer. And uh, that's probably the, the most common anyway.
0: And so hunting, we know, is conservation because, you know, a lot of the money for, for conservation comes from people who are buying the gear to hunt and uh, buying the, uh, the licenses to yeah. hunt. And so, yeah, absolutely. So um, anyway, I am so appreciative that we have somebody who is running, even though we're Arizona, I truly believe that what happens in one state, we are all Americans, we are all connected and it does impact other states, and so uh, the things that you're talking about, you know, the Second Amendment absolutely affects everybody. The, the direction that we go with that, that's going to impact every single person uh, in our nation. The forestry, of course, that impacts because you know it is our air quality. You know that smoke we saw how some of those fires were so big. I think it was the ones in California, actually we were seeing the smoke travel all the way to Florida with the, uh, the, um, satellite imaging. And, you know, these are things that we need people that really understand. And so Alec, I appreciate that you stepped in, you have stepped into that arena. And I also one final note, I appreciate that your campaign, at least the pieces that I've seen have been very positive instead of necessarily bashing your opponent, you're saying, these are the strengths that I bring to the table. These are the ideas I bring to the table. And I, I think that that is such a positive message uh, all by itself. Um, was there, is that just, does that just come from who you are? Or w- why did you decide to go with that positive messaging?
1: Well, we are running some negative ads, don't get me wrong. I mean, you can't, if the incumbent <laughs> was doing a good job, I wouldn't be running for office, you know what I mean? Um, yeah but I'm really running for office due to the issues that are facing the fourth congressional district of Oregon. I'm not running for any, you know, national issues or anything like that. I'm running for forest management to protect the second amendment at the end of the day. Also, healthcare is a big problem here in the fourth congressional district. So those are probably my top three issues. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm not running on any major issue that can get everybody you know, behind me. I'm just running for the issues going on in my own backyard. And that's what I'm trying to solve. So we that's try to be a very issue-based campaign. And uh, hopefully the people see that and uh, want to help us out.
0: Well, that's fantastic. And you do have to know how to land a punch every once in a while. So, you know, a, a negative campaign. Well, it's not to too hard. There is,
2: you, you got, you had, Alec, you have to admit, it's not real hard to run a negative, negative campaign nowadays with some of the political people out <laughs> the people there pretty you're up easy, against. right <laughs> pretty
1: easy well his, his voting record makes it very easy i mean he votes with aoc 96 of the time and he co-sponsored the green new deal i mean he does not represent a rural district i mean he votes like he's from seattle or san francisco so it does make it pretty easy for us
0: for sure. All right. Well, tell folks how they can help with your campaign. I I know that it takes money to run a campaign. So maybe people can uh, send you a few dollars. Maybe you need, you know, manpower to run a campaign. Maybe you need some volunteers in your area. Tell folks how they can uh, follow what you're doing and help out.
1: Absolutely. Money and volunteers are two things you can't get enough of that in time, I suppose. But, um, If you'd like to help out, you can check out alec That's A-L-E-K-F-O-R Oregon.com. Or you can find us on Facebook. The campaign has a Facebook page. You can shoot us a message, shoot us an email, uh, give us a call, and uh, we'll uh, reach back out and figure something out, what we can do. But thank you so much.
0: Fantastic. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Wishing you all the best, praying for your campaign, and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye,
2: Alec. All right. I just wonder how the people can continue voting the way they vote. They said 37 years with that guy. And each, you know, well, every four years they have to reelect, right? Mm-hmm. So how many elections? That's, that's quite a few elections. And the, they started, you know, there's been a decrease in quality of life of all those years. Now they can blame it on the, they can blame it on the environment mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it's and and just like they can blame it on the gun it's mm-hmm. an easy way mm-hmm. to defend all the things they're doing wrong
0: right i think so much of it is um kind of habit right so think about somebody who um let's say they they haven't eaten well in their life they're they they do not have great uh exercising habits whatever and then, you know, their, their health is just slowly deteriorating, right? Well, it's hard to make like a huge adjustment because you're used to doing what you're doing. right? And then you've had a year like 2020 that kind of shakes things up, kind of shakes things up, big time shakes things up. And I think it's causing a lot of people to want to, you know, kind of hit a reset button somewhere in a lot of areas of their life. And I can't help, but believe it's going to um, impact it at the voting booth as well. And maybe people, instead of just saying, well, I've always voted Democrat or I've always voted whatever. um, And that's just what our family does. They might actually be looking at holy crud, how did we get here?
2: Well, I've always ate five brownies before I woke up in the morning.
0: <laughs> before you woke up? Oh, when are I you sleeping? When,
2: when I woke up. <laughs> so I know, and I guess, you know, a lot of people in the past have thought, well, I know this is what we have, but it could get worse if we got somebody else.
1: Yeah.
2: So we'll just keep what we have. We, we know what he's capable of. Mm. And that's a terrible way to be. And I hope that people wake up and all these new gun owners. And the if you listen on the news, the real news and understand that this is not because of the environment this is because or what do they call it uh, the uh global warming global warming it's not because of global warming <clears throat> if it was because of global warming then parts of canada would be getting the same effect it doesn't stop at the border mm-hmm. when if you just realize that fires on this side of the border mm-hmm. no fires on the other side of the border mm-hmm. has to tell you something
0: it should but you know then the news, I always have to use air quotes. uh, Are they even talking about that? No, of course not, because they focus and funnel our attention. And if we let the news focus and funnel our attention without us being curious enough to look a little outside the the imaginary borders that they give us, right? right? So how often do we hear stories about You know, going back to the firearms issue, the fact that 2.5 million times every single year, at minimum, 2.5 million people have saved lives because they were responsibly armed, right? right? And uh, 200,000 times every single year, a woman prevents a sexual assault. Why? Because she was responsibly armed. And so we don't hear those stories.
2: No, what we hear so, is that the Chicago's had the worst firearm related deaths ever right. this year.
0: And so what we're <clears throat> focused and funneled to hear is that, you know, guns were used to kill people. Bad. Therefore, guns are bad. People that own guns are bad.
2: But it's, they don't talk about states like Arizona or, or Texas, other states where they allow you to carry a firearm and there's less crime. They right. don't. They don't want to talk about that.
0: And even that. And I'm, I'm going to jump on the word allow and oh, wow. drill down a little bit, because that's one of the misnomers that, that just kind of, you know, we become comfortable saying it, the bill of rights, which is part of our constitution is the firewall. The second amendment is in the bill of rights. So it's on the, the individual's side of the firewall and says the government you can't have any say in that. You got to stay on that side of this firewall. And so the Second Amendment, our Bill of Rights doesn't allow us.
2: No, to but guns. we're allowing the government to make the decision by the way we vote.
0: Thank you. We are. And it's, it's upside you hear down. Hear that? that? It's upside down. Right.
2: We're allowing it. Yeah. We're saying, yeah, we're going to vote for this Democrat because he wants to take our guns away. You know, we're allowing it
0: and it's not just democrats no. there are plenty oh. of republicans out there who I can name at least one are not um taking their oath
2: no there are for
0: the constitution seriously and there's and... some true
2: democrat gun owners too yeah that absolutely it is not political issue they don't want to leave their party they don't want to leave their party because it's the party they've been with all their life right but they're afraid to to fight with them about the gun issues. But there are Democrats that own guns.
0: This is true. But if you have a a candidate, I don't care what letter they wear on their chest, if if they have a history, especially, of not taking their oath seriously and not protecting the Second Amendment, how have they earned your vote? How can you possibly trust them to uphold any of your other rights if they've already said, well, this one, I don't care about, and I think it needs to be done away with or infringed on. That's what we want you to think about. Not necessarily in terms of, you know, just the letter on, on the, the candidate's chest, the big D for Democrat, or the big R for Republican, look at the candidate, look at what they stand yeah. for and, um, and vote accordingly because this election, this 2020 election,
2: Dan, going to be a doozy.
0: going to be a doozy.
2: But here, here's the thing. If you know, we could do what we're doing right now, yeah. just like we're doing it. If there was a, a body of judges that would take cases that if your politician didn't uphold the Constitution, that you could take him to court, and the judges would determine if he did not back the Constitution up, that he would be removed from office immediately, that would be okay. But we don't have that. So we have to dig into the person we have to make before sure w- we vote. We ha- before we vote and when we vote that person we need to make sure that when that person is ruling his or governing his area that he doesn't say something like that's above my pay grade the constitution new who, jersey who would say that new jersey so what i'm saying to you is would murphy wouldn't it be new a jersey perfect world if some government some judges could determine whether or not the constitution was being used or not or abused but then also something to make sure that the judges didn't abuse that
0: well and that's that's a tricky slope too for sure Uh, we don't want all of our governing to happen in the courts and we have way too much of it just want your
2: people to follow the constitution in the courts now how many laws could we remove from the books Mm -hmm. if we would just all followed the constitution
0: you know We're Christians, right? So we always say, what would Jesus do? What does the constitution say? Let's start there. How about this next generation of youngsters growing up? How about we start teaching them once again, uh, civics and, and what our constitution says and why it says it, the, the men and, and women really who were involved in pushing back the most powerful army on the planet at the time. The, the Americans who took up arms against the British army. Yeah, but that they fought a little weird. He really was. But they fought, bled, starved and died for the opportunity to even write this <clears throat> document. Let's go back and remember that. What was going on that was so important that average men and women, shopkeepers and farmers would pick up whatever it was that they had available to them to push back and fight back against tyranny. Let's go back and study that. Yeah, they were taking it away
2: from us. They were taking, they were controlling them. Right.
0: And so then we know why it was written. Then we can understand what is written. Then maybe we can value it enough to consider it when we make votes. Right. And that's not so much to ask. No,
2: it's not. And if you look Ask your 15 year old or younger kid, actually 21 year old and younger kid, that went to public school, no clue what the constitution Constitution is and what's in it, no clue, and they're not going to be able to tell you.
0: And look at this, it's going to take you an hour because right. they
2: don't teach it in school.
0: It's not it's not like a multi volume of War and Peace. Start here. takes you a little over an hour to read. Once you know it, then you can value it. And you won't have to wait for somebody else to interpret it for you all the And time.
2: we know it's true because we saw the constitution in uh, Washington, DC. So we saw it, right? So we know it, this is not some fake, thing, fake, not fake news. news. <laughs> no, this is for real.
0: <laughs> all this, right, so. we gotta wrap up. Dan, we what sure are we do. gonna do?
2: We're gonna, we're gonna pray. Well, first, we're gonna thank our guests.
0: We are, absolutely. Alex, Alex- Scarlatos, thank you for <clears throat> all you do. Thank you for all you have done already. Uh, thank you to our awesome listeners for
2: tolerating us. For where, <laughs> <laughs>
0: for where you, um, whether you are watching us on YouTube, on GunStreamer, or on the smartphone app called the Opslans, smartphone, the smartphone, uh, or whether you're listening to us as an audio-only piece on our website, where you go GunFreedomRadio.com click the on-demand tab and binge listen to your heart's content, darling. Is that how I sound when I say it? Or if you want to uh, see our guests, you can click the guest tab. You can see every single guest we've ever had on their photos, their bios, links to the work that they've done. Um, It's a wonderful resource of subject matter experts, and you will learn a ton. And we don't hate it when you spend time there so uh until next time folks please holy cow if ever our nation needed prayer it is yesterday yes right yes it's now so please 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 pray for our nation pray for our leaders our representatives the people that are placed by our votes in a position of authority and responsibility and um i
2: think we should pray for alec Hope, hopefully yeah. you know he's Fish. he's got good intentions and pray and help him and help guide him to become a great representative for the state of oregon
0: mm-hmm. absolutely and uh so we do we pray for uh all of our leaders even the ones we don't like huh, Dan?
2: well we say we do don't Espe-
0: we <laughs> yeah but i actually do i know you do especially well, I,
2: no but i but ones, i do. I, you know, I pray especially for heard, the ones you don't like you've heard this i i do pray for our leaders i don't pay for our rulers i just won't
0: all right well i'll do it for you
2: but... rulers yes yes the yardsticks <laughs> oh all right that's a different subject right yes so um how's nancy doing anyway i've heard from her in a couple hours she's still wearing a mask nancy pelosi well i guess that's her name yeah that's her she probably got her
0: hair did recently but
2: who knows
0: anyway we got to get out of here um until next time be good to each other have a great week
2: and god bless